Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're on the road to Wembley. Hello and welcome to episode 26, yes 26 of the Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes I'll be dissecting all the hot topics in football. Now then, it's a little different this week as I've got an injury list longer than Tottenham's in terms of guests and therefore due to some dropouts and the fact I haven't been able to get any new signings into the squad, um, it's just me this week. I'm going to be running the channels on my own. Don't switch off though, I know exactly what I'm doing, you're in good hands. Before we do anything, I'd best do some social media bits first, otherwise I'll be talking to the bits once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can, that's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983, anything show related, send it my way. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. And if you use that platform, then don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Acast. Well, the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's a new game that sees betting turns in its head, with the focus being on the loser. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account, especially as there is a new prize pool which guarantees a winner £1,000, something you will not want to miss out on. The odds of winning are great, but they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And to be honest, this week sort of got away from me in terms of reviewing. I'm much closer to the upcoming weekend. So instead of looking backwards, I thought for a change, well, I look forward. And that's exactly what I'm going to be doing today. So I'm not going to touch on the Carabao Cup. Obviously, uh, Man City are already in the final. We knew that from the first leg after their 9-0 pumping of Burton Albion. Credit to Burton Albion, I guess, for keeping it to at least a respectable uh, 1-0 yesterday, uh, so that's a 10-0 aggregate score, blimey, um, which I, I think obviously everyone knew City would go through, I don't think they necessarily thought the margin of victory would be a greater magnitude as it was, but you know, that's football I guess, um, and that's something we touched in last week's episode about whether Burton should have really, I don't know, maybe even tried a bit harder, was it disrespectful, etc, etc, if you heard, you heard last week's episode you would have taken our views on that, there is also the small matter of the uh, second leg between Chelsea and Tottenham. Chelsea 1-0 behind from the first leg at Wembley. Tottenham the walking wounded. I'm not going to go too much into this because by the time you probably heard this podcast, would have hit full time. Um, so it would only sort of be outdated anyway. So it's pretty much um, nonsensical to sort of give a full deep dive into that game. But fingers crossed Tottenham can do, not the unthinkable, but perhaps maybe the unlikely with so many injuries um, that are cropping up from Richard Pochettino's men. As a Spurs fan, it's going to be Tense viewing, and I'll leave it at that. So, I'm going to focus on something else. Thankfully, there's another cup competition this weekend, the FA Cup. So, 16 fixtures across a long weekend from Friday through to Monday. And first up, I guess I've got three feature games that I'm going to take a bit of a deeper look into. So, first up is Arsenal versus Manchester United. And like I say, the FA Cup returns to the forefront this weekend, and it is the biggest tie of the fourth round up first, as Arsenal play host to Manchester United at the Emirates. A fixture that will see one of the likely, if not let's say possible competition winners, dumped out before we even reach February. Both Unai Emery and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will have genuine designs on adding this piece of silverware to the trophy cupboard come May. And with their current league standings, the pressure to deliver that objective will be relatively high. I mean, when you consider that 
the two outfits are currently fifth and sixth in the Premier League, respectively. They find themselves on the outskirts in regard to the race of the Champions League. And therefore, you know, this is going to take on some extra importance. And also, it's fair to say that this competition uh, is the path that offers the least resistance in terms of trying to win a trophy. So the question is, which one of these two teams will be still walking down that path once we reach full time on Friday night? Arsenal, they go into the game buoyed by the fact that they got the better of their crosstown rivals Chelsea last weekend. Uh, a win that subsequently opened up the race for the top four. I mean, Tottenham still got a little bit of breathing space. So you've got the top two, Tottenham, and then three teams fighting for one spot as it stands. But like I say, with Tottenham's injuries, that could quite easily be contracted into sort of a, a four-horse race that pays out two prizes, really. So you'd have 50% of your field dropping out and uh, being unsuccessful. But, you know, it's, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns before we reach the end of the season in terms of that race. Because, like I say, can Tottenham uh, last the pace when you've got so many other teams snapping on their heels? That we'll have to wait and see. But talking of injuries, though, uh, that 2-0 win for Arsenal will be tempered slightly, well, actually massively, by the fact that Hector Bellerin picks up an injury in the second half, which will see him out for nine months, which is a bit of a hammer blow for the Gunners. Um, much has been made the fact that Arsenal don't have any money for permanent signings. They're sort of looking down the bargain basement for loans at the moment. Uh, loans that would have come in the form of perhaps the likes of Denis Suarez. Uh, James Rodriguez has even been linked, which is probably wishful thinking. But when you sort of consider that they're looking further up the pitch for attacking personnel, like midfield attackers sort of come in and do a job, um, adding a defender wouldn't have been part of the uh, the list. It's added to their problem. I mean, where do they get a right back on loan at the moment, uh, the answer is unlikely. And I mean, they've got Lichsteiner, Maitland-Niles and Carl Jenkinson, I guess. So I mean, Carl Jenkinson will probably have to be staying in the fold now. He was touted for a departure, but he's like a cockroach. No disrespect, Carl, but he's been there forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, he just I don't know how or what he's done to keep getting a contract at Arsenal, uh, but he's he'll, he'll be staying for the simple fact that uh, Bellerin's injured. It does make you think, well, they need four right-backs in the first place, but I, I don't know. I don't make the decisions at the Emirates. But yeah, like I say, they'll have, I guess, enough to see them through, whether it's the personnel they wanted, perhaps not. Um, so, yeah, that means that Arsenal will be without a key member of their squad for the visit of a United side who've got a perfect record under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's now seven wins from seven. The uh, the role continues. Uh, the Norwegians been in charge at Old Trafford for just over a month now. And the transformation has been, well, you couldn't have asked a better transformation. You almost ask yourself, or United will ask themselves, why didn't we sack Mourinho sooner? I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing and all that, but they made a decision, which was a brave one. Uh, it was probably braver to uh, call in on a Gunnar Solskjaer to be into manager. Uh, but like I say, paying dividends now, and it does ask the question whether he will be uh, manager come the end of the season and going into next, something that will be signified if he can win the FA Cup. And if or and or he can finish in the top four with United. So, like I say, seven wins from seven now. Um, and it's the run that continued with a win over Brighton last weekend at home. Uh, the score was 2-1. Something that perhaps suggests, sorry, perhaps suggests it was a close game uh, with uh, Chris Hewton's men. But really, in all fairness, it was the tie that was wrapped up in the first half. Uh, a spot kick from Paul Pogba with that iffy run up. But this time he sort of put it home. And a well-taken finish from Marcus Rashford. Uh, meant that United were already comfortable by the time that Brighton got a scant constellation with their German midfielder Pascal Gross. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting for uh, for Rashford in the sense that now he seems to be the solidified number one forward at uh, at United. Uh, so that also means that Romelu Lukaku might have to make do with a place on the bench on Friday. But then again, if we sort of look at the, the logic that big teams make changes in the FA Cup lineups, maybe it's Rashford is rested and Lukaku is given the nod, um, which I don't know. Then it goes, it goes against, or maybe you sort of there think um, always play your strongest team, which you know Tottenham would love to do. I keep sort of harping onto them and more of them in a minute, but yeah, maybe that's the sort of dilemma. Man United are on a roll, uh, seven from seven. Um, so do they sort of think, okay, let's make changes? Can we afford to make changes, or do we go? keep going strong, keep the momentum going, which you probably would think uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would want to do. You know, why change now? Like I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Both teams will feel they can get something out this tie, although at the same time, they'll want to try and avoid a draw because obviously that means a replay and an extra fixture, which I think is the last round in which that happens. I think from the fifth round, they're all chopped off, aren't they? It's like the EFL Cup. Oh, no, it's, well, it's sort of like the EFL Cup, 
the EFL Cup goes straight to penalties, isn't it? So this one is uh, after the fifth round or fifth round onwards. It's 90 minutes extra time penalties. So the replay is no longer a thing after this round. I think that's just a sign of the FA Cup's getting further eroded in terms of importance. But I think that's the payoff in terms of can you fit it in a busy footballing schedule? Uh, the answer is just about. I mean, I don't know how many more changes you can go without the romance fully being uh, depleted. It's like, really, I guess the argument here is that you want giant killings in the FA Cup, but you also want your big teams in it at the later stages. And you can't really have both. This being a perfect example, you know, you, this is a, a tie really befitting at least a quarterfinal, a quarterfinal, semi-final onwards. Uh, it's a bit of a disappointment from a neutral perspective that this is so early. But then again, it gives the cup a bit of a bit of a boost in the early stages as well. So it's yin and yang. There's no real right answer on that one. But like I say, both teams will want to avoid the replay because the, the extra fixture that comes with it. Um, I expect there'll be goals. And I also expect the visitors, that's United, to make it eight wins from eight under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, um, so yeah, that's my prediction. I'm nailing my colours to the mast there. I think United will, uh, will carry on. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans, even though you did win against Chelsea on uh, Saturday, I think just got a feeling United are going to keep that um, that momentum, that steamroll um, driving forward. So, um, so yeah, there's uh, my first uh, feature preview game. Where shall I go next? Let's go to South London and Crystal Palace. London derbies, they seem to be the order of the day for Tottenham as of late. And this weekend is no different for Mauricio Pochettino's men. They make the relatively short trip to Selhurst Park. But not only that, it's the second cup tie that Tottenham will play against London-based opponents in the space of just three days. Like I say, we've got Chelsea on the horizon tonight, Thursday. And that's just this very small matter. That's probably the main event. And that fixture might well give us a steer on how Tottenham perform on Sunday. Will defeat create something of a tailspin for Tottenham? Will a victory give them a huge boost? I mean, it could be um, a season or a week, which then defines our season in the sense that, um, best case scenario, we get through to the Carabao Cup final and we get through to the fifth round of the FA Cup. Worst case scenario, we're out of both cups. And then Tottenham fans will be asking serious questions as to, you know, why don't we buy players not only just this month, um, going back to the summer. It really is going to be... A very, very important week. One that may perhaps paper over the cracks. Um, again, you sort of think to yourself, OK, all these injuries are being picked up. Does that then mean that if we keep winning, it's sort of not too much of an issue? I mean, let's not understate the, the fact that we are the walking wound at the moment. But you then sort of think to yourself, OK, um, if we are still winning, it just keeps that, that wolf at bay and you can just sort of keep going and trying to keep grinding out. But at the same time, you do think to yourself, when is our result luck going to run out? You sort of, in terms of injuries, it already has. You know, the fact that Ali and Kane are out till March, God knows how many other people are absent at the moment. You know, it's just they're piling up. Uh, even Musa Sissoko is going to be missed tonight. He's not fit. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's not even really the, the quantity of injury. It's just the biggest names at the worst time. So, you know, um, like I say, best case scenario, we get through both cups but that could be wishful thinking due to the uh, the casualties that we have um in terms of spurs well obviously they won away at fulham last sunday in dramatic circumstances uh, harry winks heading home in the dying seconds of the game um after fernando lorenzo spooning into his own net um he's now scored as many premier league goals for the opposition than he has for tottenham which is great uh, but obviously deli ali got an equalizer but then he limped off with minutes remaining before harry winks is winner so you have to ask yourself, that win, that's three points, as important as they are, at what cost um, will that be to Tottenham in the long run? Because, you know, obviously, it's no, you can't blame Deli Ali for getting injured, but you do think we've just beaten Fulham at second bottom. But again, like, like <laughs> where's the next sort of dramatic win? Who's going to step up and get goals this time around? I mean, like I say, Ali and Kane, both major absentees for medical reasons. But one should not forget also that Hume Min Son is also missing due to South Korea's continued participation in this year's Asia Cup. Um, I know that they edged past Bahrain, which I guess for Tottenham fans um, was a bit, I guess for him personally, it's great. For the Tottenham fans sitting back at home, you think, oh, do you know what? Whisper it quietly, but it'd be quite nice if they, they didn't actually win that and he could come home. Because if he did come home um, and they did lose in the week, he may have been on the bench uh, for Sunday. But unfortunately, his pursuit of international honours continues. 
uh, much to the chagrin of Tottenham fans. But, you know, like I say, personally, go for it, son. And uh, that list of missing players is going to play right into the hands of Crystal Palace, who are going to look to exact some revenge on Tottenham after they earned a slender 1-0 win at Selhurst Park uh, back in, was it November, I believe? Yeah, earlier in the season when the two teams met at Selhurst Park in the league. Juan Foyth was a hero that time, although Palace will be looking for a hero of their own this time around. Not only that, though, but they will be keen to build on the impressive performance Anvil last week, one that, although they ended up losing, they pushed Liverpool all the way in a frenetic seven-goal thriller. 4-3 was the eventual final score, although at one point it did look as if Andros Townsend was going to play a part in Palace claiming another major league scout. Because don't forget, they've already beaten Man City this season away. And it looked like at one point they were going to do exactly the same at Anfield. And that would have really, you know, I guess blown the title race wide open. But unfortunately uh, for them, they didn't get the three points. Thankfully for Liverpool, they're still still rolling on uh, with that four-point buffer. Um, so, yeah, Palace will be confident they can get something. Like I say, if Spurs don't get a result against Chelsea or the result that they need and are dumped out, then you do think to yourself they're there for the taking and Palace will be smelling blood. I think really the best that Tottenham can hope for, especially, I don't know, let's say let's say the second leg ends up going to penalties. I know it's not an extra 30 minutes of football on top of that or anything like that. It's not extra time. But um, the extra energy that's going to be expended, I guess the stress, the nerves that comes with that. Say if they lose to Chelsea on... Um, on Thursday night, fire a penalty shootout method, then mentally they're just going to be frazzled, aren't they? So you think to yourself, if Tottenham can get a replay, now I said earlier in the show that Arsenal United won't want a replay because it presents an extra fixture. Tottenham won't really want one, but I feel that they'll need this as their lifeline. I think that's the best they can hope for when they go to Selhurst Park. Get out of there with a draw under their belts, replay to follow in 10 or so days. Um, I don't know who else would be fit in that time scale. Sissoko probably that'd probably be the only real difference um, but yeah I think that's if Tottenham want to continue their pursuit of the FA Cup it's going to take a little bit of a circumnavigation round to, to Wembley to do it all over again the week after next uh, that's game two of our sort of deeper deeper looks and now let's go to Man City Burnley another all Premier League tie and Man City are competing on all four fronts this season the place in the Carabao Cup final already booked and that means they're one step closer to winning one of the four prizes they're in contention for Another of those comes in the shape of the FA Cup this weekend and they'll find themselves up against Burnley at the Etihad with a place in the fifth round up for grabs. In terms of the race of the Premier League title, City can only keep applying pressure on Liverpool and that's exactly what they did last weekend when they made light work of Huddersfield at the John Smith Stadium. It was a fixture that was as good as done in the first few minutes when Danilo's deflected effort found its way into the goal and from there it was just a case of just how many City fancy scoring really. I mean, if they wanted to turn the screw they could have really but Huddersfield did keep it to respectable three goals um, they lost at the Etihad 6-1 early in the season, so you did think at one point, well, oh, here we go again. But at the same time, even keeping it at three, there were no match for a City side that have once again cut, cut the gap to Liverpool to four points. Uh, to be honest, though, you do get the feeling that City are playing catch-up somewhat. I mean, they're not really eroding the deficit that Liverpool are setting them. Um, it's more a case of just keeping it at, at a manageable level. That's because, bar Liverpool's defeat to City, they're just showing no let-up in the race of the title, are they? Something that, as the weeks progress, and more importantly, the games run out, means the pressure is only going to build on the shoulders of Pep Guardiola and his players. Um, is there something to be made the fact that Liverpool always playing before City and then getting that gap out to seven, and then City have to keep pulling it back to four? It'd be interesting to see if City can play first in a match week. I know it's not going to happen this week. It's not really relevant because it's the cup. But what we need to see, City getting it down to a point and then seeing how Liverpool deal with the pressure. Because I think at the moment, it's easier for Liverpool to go right. If we're playing first, we're setting the tempo. Come and chase us. And when you set that tempo and say, right, OK, we'll stretch it out to seven points. City have then got a win to get back to, you know, resetting the clock to zero in terms of that gap and then trying to find the margin or the, the drop points that Liverpool will hopefully then um, offer up. So, yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I don't want to sort of crow on, but it was a similar situation when Leicester and Tottenham were in the title race back in 2016. It was always a sense of Leicester were playing first and then Tottenham had to win just to stay on the coattails and bring the gap to what it was at the start of the game week and never really allowed himself to then ask questions of Leicester. So I don't have the fixtures in front of me. And obviously a lot of that would be dictated through television in the next months, certainly towards the end of the season. But it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. If City can start playing before, does that ask more questions of Liverpool and vice versa? I mean, City are answering everything that Liverpool ask them at the moment. But if you switch it on its head, it could be that that is the swing moment in the race for the Premier League title. 
Looking at Burnley, though, um, that pressure I talk about for Pep and his players could be somewhat subsided this weekend as Burnley do make the short, Chris, short trip across Lancashire to face an informed City outfit. Although Burnley, you can sort of say that their season has almost turned the corner now, hasn't it? Because they've earned 10 points from a possible 12 after going and beating the last four league outings. And it could have been a clean sweep of four straight wins had it not been for a contentious offside call last weekend. Just seconds of the game remaining um, away at Watford at Bookings Road. Chris Wood put the ball in the net and many felt that the New Zealand International just scored the winner for the visitors. Me included, because that goal would have won me £40. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but I had uh, all Premier League games, the three o'clock ones on Saturday, just had at least a goal. And the only one I needed was Watford Burnley and it cost me £40. Cheers, Burnley. So, unfortunately, though, like I say, the goal was chalked off and they had to settle for an away draw. A result that, though frustrating is at least something pointing to the fact that their defence has been much improved as of late. That said, their defence is going to be seriously tested at the weekend as uh, City's attack aims to do its best and sort of cause damage and, and really make a, a nuisance for Burnley over 90 minutes. Of the two contrasting elements, that City's attack and Burnley's defence, you do get the feeling that City's attack is going to be much stronger and it's they that will move into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Right, that's three of the FA Cup fixtures taking place this weekend in a sort of more lengthier preview there's another 13 matches still to go perhaps I'm not going to be as in depth but a whistle stop tour of what else is going on in the fourth round and where should we go first let's start Friday and we'll go chronologically through the weekend so Friday night there's not only Arsenal versus Manchester United there's also Bristol City versus Bolton now an all-championship clash Bolton made headlines in the week when their fans uh, threw tennis balls on the pitch in protest to their chairman Ken Anderson god he's a he's a live one isn't he um it's been He's a bit of an unscrupulous one in terms of uh, funds and all that. Making the news in the sort of last couple of weeks about the uh, hoo-ha with the Forest Green Rovers chairman, Dale Vince. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Bolton bounce back from that. There you go, using a tennis ball uh, analogy there. Very good. I'm here all week. Uh, they, like I say, faced Bristol City at Ashton Gate. Bristol City, they beat Huddersfield in the third round. Um, not quite the biggest of cup upsets. I think that was the period where David Wagner just given up on life, really, isn't he? Sort of had just run out of ideas. I think for a club of that situation, for them, they don't really want to be in the FA Cup third round or the, certainly the fourth round because they're sort of focusing on just being in the Premier League. I've said this many times before, any sort of team in and around that area fighting for relegation, they don't need the distraction of a cup run. So Huddersfield, although they lost, Bristol City to take nothing away from their uh, performance, it was, you know, that was almost as good as a home banker when you're looking at you know, your betting coupon for that weekend. But an all-championship tie makes it more in the balance. Bristol City on the fringes of the playoffs. Bolton trying to stay out of, um, well, trying to stay away from being relegated. I think they're second bottom at the moment. Yes, I think it's Ipswich, Bolton um, and other clubs. Um, yeah, so Bolton, this might be a sort of brief respite for them. But again, do they really need the extra fixture when they're trying to sort of stay in the championship? You put your money, I guess, on Bristol City um, winning this one. And uh, Bristol City have got good cup pedigree last season. They beat a whole host of Premier League teams to get to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. Then they lost to Man City, although they didn't disgrace themselves by losing 10-0. So it'll be interesting to see what Bristol City can do this season in the Cup. I would put my money in Bristol City winning that one. Going to Saturday now. And Accrington Stanley, they have the uh, accolade of having the lunchtime kickoff, And they play host to Derby County. The Rams, uh, who are now legally called Frank Lampard's Derby County, um, they travel to uh, Accrington, who are they? Uh, Accrington Stanley, who are they? Exactly. And um, yeah, it'd be an interesting cup tie this. Derby pulled off a giant killing of sorts in the previous round when they got the better of Southampton. It took um, quite a while for the teams to be split. It was 90 minutes uh, at uh, the iPro, whatever it's called these days in Derby. 120 minutes plus penalties at St Mary's. But Derby eventually got the better of the Premier League counterparts and they put themselves in the fourth round and they'll be going up against Accrington Stanley and they will be favourites Stanley though will fancy themselves for a cup giant killing but I think Frank Lampard's Derby County which you have to legally call him up I just say um, with Ashley Cole in the ranks as well that'll be interesting yes Ashley Cole back in English football where he can take back to it like a duck to water we'll have to wait and see but it, interesting to see what he can do up north and I think Derby will be in the hat come uh, what, 2.15, 2.30 on Saturday afternoon for the fifth round draw. Where next? Brighton, Sussex by the Sea. They play host to West Brom. So it's an Albion derby of sorts. It's not really a derby at all. It's Brighton Hove Albion versus West Bromwich Albion. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, do Brighton go full strength? They 
played Bournemouth in the third round. Bournemouth are sort of the perfect example of teams that don't really want to be in the FA Cup. They're all focused on the Premier League. I guess one of those two teams had to win. They can't have both left the FA Cup uh, in the third round. So Brighton by Hooker by Crook are here. But West Brom, um, I guess you could make the case, really, they're sort of aiming for automatic promotion. Do they want a cup run? I mean, does anyone want a cup run, really? I mean, that's probably why teams outside the top six don't really win the FA Cup anymore because they just they haven't really got the, the wherewithal or the nous or the inclination to go on and win the cup because it just seems like a... Like, like the, the other prizes are much greater in stature that you think to yourself, is it worth the bother? So we could be in the same bracket here. I mean, I think Brighton are going to be safe from going down, so they're probably better suited for a proper stab at the FA Cup. West Brom, when you consider they've got to play 46 league matches this season, possibly the playoffs as well, add into the mix if they keep going far in the Cup, that's going to absolutely shatter their squad. So they might be better suited just sort of testing the water and seeing what they can get out of this one. And if they don't progress to the fifth round, there's not going to be too many tears cried at the Hawthorns. I would probably be confident on Brighton getting through to the fifth round on this one. Next up, Doncaster Oldham. Uh, don't know a lot about this one. Uh, obviously done my research. But all I do know is Oldham could be having Paul Scholes as manager, uh, which is quite interesting. Salford City have just taken uh, David Beckham's investment, an extra 10%, which I don't know if that is being bought for them, Paul Scholes, to sort of then exit the club. And they sort of, I don't know, because I know Beckham's bought the shares of Peter Lim. So it's now, um, what is it, six United players and Peter Lim. So it's 60-40. It was 50-50, a five-player five split and Peter Lim. But then you sort of think to yourself, OK, will Paul Scholes end up selling his shares back to Peter Lim? So you go back to five players and um, Peter Lim in terms of who's owning the club. Because if Salford City do get promoted, then there's no way Paul Scholes will be older manager and own 10% of Salford City. There's just no way it's happening. So I think it's a bit of an investment circle that will sort of become a lot clearer in the next couple of weeks or come the end of the season if Salford get promoted. And Paul Scholes has to sell up. I mean, he might not even become older manager, but that's just my business theory. So, um, yeah, hang your hat on that one. I don't, I don't know. Could be either of those two go through. I'm going to go with uh, a draw. Yeah, take it to a replay. And Paul Scholes becomes manager of Oldham and he leads him to the replay to a fifth round uh, place in the cup. So, yes, where now? Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, Newport County. Newport County are probably disappointed with the draw after beating Leicester. They're sort of. You know, you have the sort of fourth round joint. It's like, oh, who would you like? Oh, we'd love one of the big guns. And then you go to Middlesbrough away. Do you know what I mean? No disrespect, there are better, more more sort of attractive propositions in the in the cup. But they're in the cup, and that's all that really matters. It'll be a great away day, a hell of a travel travel trip for them as well, uh, all the way up north to uh, to Middlesbrough. Uh, whether they can get something out of that, I mean, who knows? I mean, the fact that they're away probably lands sort of closer into Middlesbrough's lap in terms of who's going to win. But magic of the FA Cup, you know, that's cliche. It's going to be banged out many times this weekend. So, um, so yeah, don't expect miracles. But I think, I mean, I've gone, basically I've just gone for everyone at home to win. I actually know, but I didn't. Don Garson Oldham to draw. So this time around, though, I think Middlesbrough will uh, have enough in the tank. I think the cup run ends for Newport. A gallant effort after, uh, you know, getting to the third round and then beating Leicester. But I think the road ends for Newport this weekend. An all-Premier League tie now as Newcastle play host to Watford. Again, do Newcastle really want to be bothered with a cut run when they're sort of just about floating above the top, uh, bottom three at the moment? Uh, you'd have to say probably not. Uh, Watford, they could fancy themselves in a cut run. They're not going down. Um, you know, I think it'd be good for them, Watford, actually. This is exactly what the club needs because last, what, three seasons, I think, they've hit the sort of, I don't know, the turn of the year, shall we say, and then plummeted like a stone. And you almost thought, well, OK, is this going to happen again? That was the question that was being asked of Watford under Javi Grazia. But to his credit, he's sort of held firm, isn't he? Watford are doing fine. If anything, they're sort of looking up the table and thinking, do you know what? We might be able to get a Europa League place. So there's two ways they can get a Europa League place. They can either do it by finishing seventh and relying on cup winners to be in the top six and not someone else, which the Carabao Cup, uh, will be, so that'll be fine. So, yes, as long as the uh, FA Cup winner isn't someone else outside of the uh, the top six, if Watford finishes seventh, I hope, hope you're still keeping up at home. But they could just sit quite simply just win the FA Cup for themselves and not rely on other teams to do so. Um, 
perhaps a big ask with the sort of the big names still in there. But why not give it a go? Like I say, they're going to be absolutely fine in terms of relegation. Um, last season, season before, you could probably make the case that they didn't really need to have a cut run because they were sinking like a stone down the table. But now they're sort of solid. They can kick on, keep this going, get a couple of good cup wins, get that momentum going, and it could even propel you into that top seven and sort of um, solidify your hopes of Europa League place that way. So there's a, there's, there's a logic to sort of going for the cup run for Watford. I don't think there is really Newcastle, like I say. I think really they'll sort of try and sort of, I don't know, not play an overly weak and say, well, they might actually, but I think Rafa Benitez, when he's weighing up his um, his options and his priorities, this isn't his priority really, really, is it? I mean, you sort of think to yourself, OK, um, for Newcastle, it is a case of survival. Whether that then means Rafa Benitez is still at the club, I doubt it. But um, survival and a cut run is like oil and water. They don't really mix. So I think they need to dip out of the cup and then uh, they'll be a, in a better position to fight and try and stay outside the top three, which is they can get a couple of loan signings that have been reported um, today. Listen to the gossip column. Yes, good plug there. Um, yeah, if they can get a couple of signings through the door between now and the end of the month, it might just boost their chances. But they're not going to be available for tomorrow because you know, they don't exist at the moment. But I think that's something that will play into Watford's hands and I think Watford will be going through to the fifth round. Uh, Portsmouth versus QPR. Uh, QPR, they never make it to the fourth round. They're always crashing out the third round. They beat Leeds, so they'll be um, up for the cup uh, this year. Uh, Portsmouth, they won it in 2008. I don't see them doing anything similar this year. That'll be an interesting cup tie, actually. That'll be one that'll be evenly contested. Both teams will be up for it. Portsmouth might be able to get something out of it. You'd never quite know the Queen's Park Rangers, do you? Steve McLaren's uh, R's. Um, you know, they had an awful start to the season, QPR. But credit to uh, Steve McLaren, like I say, he's got them up to sort of um, a respectable mid-table position. I don't think they're really going to threaten for the playoffs. I don't think they've quite got the squad. Uh, but, you know, like I say, this isn't going to have any real impact in their season if they go out or they don't. But Portsmouth, they'll, they'll fancy their chances. They'll fancy their chances of a cup upset. Or is it really an upset? But, yeah, they'll fancy their chances of a cup win. Uh, that one in the balance. I think if QPR get a draw, that wouldn't be the worst result. And take them back to Loftus Road and see what happens to that one. So, that, uh, yeah, I reckon Portsmouth won't uh, lose on Saturday. So, yeah, um, maybe leave that one on your betting coupon because it could go either way. So, best avoid. Another one that might go either way, then again, um, Shrewsbury Wolves. Um, yeah, Shrewsbury, obviously, they'll be looking for a, a giant killing. Wolves performed one of their own in the last round. They knocked out Liverpool. Um, like I've said many times in this episode, again, another team that's not going to be crying tears that they're out of the cup because that just allows them to go full pelt for the Premier League, obviously they've got the Champions League as well, but I think just the fact competing on two fronts compared to Manchester City competing on four fronts, that's going to make a hell of a difference. You know, you're not playing two games a week now between now and that May. Do you know what I mean? Like it's probably one the majority of times the odd Champions League week. If you know if they lose that round of sixteen game, then it's full steam ahead for the Premier League. So, like I say, Liverpool aren't going to be too uh, miffed about their um, dumping out the cup by Wolves. But Wolves, they want to, want to be dumped out of the cup by Shrewsbury. Uh, Wolves going away uh, to Shrewsbury, which adds a little bit to the uh, the cup drama, you know, adds it to the balance. But Wolves, uh, they played that amazing 4-3 win over Leicester last week. They'll be uh, confident of um, something, well, not something similar. They'll want to win by a more comfortable result this time around. And I think they will. I think they've certainly got the players. I don't think Shrewsbury have got it in them to perform an upset of this nature. I think Nuno Espirito Santo... Uh, again, Wolves, why can't they just go for the cup? If they can't finish in the top six or the top seven for a promoted team, that would be an absolute fantastic season. Getting to the cup final, whether they win it or not, you know, I don't think that really matter. But for Wolves to accelerate from the Championship to the Premier League and get to a Wembley showpiece event, that would be a, an ideal season. And if they could top that off with getting into Europe, then that would put the top six or the big six, as we know them, I guess... Um, on warning because then they'd be like right we're not mucking about now we're going for this and I think you have to ask yourself the question when does the top six become the top seven and I think Wolves will get there eventually by hook or by crick um, maybe even by brute force like they're too good a team with the players they've got it only takes a couple more to make that team a little bit better and I think you know two three years from now and they're going to be a real um, serious you're, you're a real serious contender for European places I think um, 
each season, not just like a flash in the pan. I think they're going to go for it each time. Swansea now. Swansea versus Gillingham. Gillingham, they've already dumped out one Welsh team in Cardiff. And they're going to look for the double as they take on uh, Graham Potter's Swansea. Uh, Gillingham were at home in the third round. So um, the odds are against them. Uh, Swansea, yeah, I mean, they've had little to crow about this season. Obviously, dumped out the Premier League last last year. Um, is They're not going to get promoted this year, I don't think. Bar some um, dramatic run and get them into the playoffs. They're just too inconsistent. Whether that inconsistency plays into Gillingham's hands, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think Swansea will probably edge this one. I think Gillingham's giant killing powers will have come to an end after uh, the win against Cardiff. And I don't think there will be a Welsh double exit in the Cup from Gillingham. So, uh, two more Saturday matches to go. One of them is Millwall versus Everton. Uh, Marco Silva, yeah, he needs a, a Cup win. I think Everton need a Cup win, really. Everton, they haven't won a trophy since 1995. So, that'll be 24 years if there's no silverware this season. Um, they're not where they want to be in terms of knocking on the door of the top six, like I've said. Um, that's their design, but it's not being executed at the moment. There's teams that are better than them this season. Everton lost to Southampton at the weekend. So, yeah, it's not quite clicking for Marco Silva. I don't think he's necessarily under pressure, um, which is a strange situation because he's behind Claude Puel in the league table. If you took Claude Puel and Marco Silva, you would probably argue that Marco Silva's un under less pressure, even though he's lower in the table than Claude Puel. Now, part of that, I think, becomes down to Leicester don't really play exciting football. And I also think Claude Peel's not necessarily exciting in himself in the sense that Marco Silva, although he sometimes he does look like he's just um, lost a pound and found a penny, he does at least, you know, comes across well. He's very sort of personable. At times he can look really grumpy. And I think when that's more often not when Everton aren't, aren't winning. And that's fair enough. But he does have a certain charm to him. And I think people buy into that charm and think, yeah, actually, he talks a good game. He's not, he's not too bad a manager. But where he talks a good game and actually can actually lead his team to play good games, I think this is where the disconnect is. And I think sometimes we take what he says in too great a value. And I think he's almost sort of putting the wall over eyes in terms of what Everton are doing. That said, Leicester, um, they're no... Yeah, I mean, they're not been brilliant. And I think this has been touched on the last couple of weeks. What do Leicester fans want from Claude Puel? Are they asking too much? In terms of league position, probably not. I mean, to lose 4-3 against Wolves wasn't great. If there was better game management, they could have got a point out of that game. I mean, credit to them from coming from 2-0 behind. But really, when you get to 3-0 and it's that late, just shut up shop. And I think that is the kind of thing that's going to go against Claude Puel. But I think it's also the lineups that he's made in the Cups. Um, Man City would arguably there for the taking in the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup. They shouldn't have really lost to Newport. They could have played a much stronger lineup. Again, they're a team that's not going to get relegated. They should be going for these cups all out, not just sort of resting and bringing in fringe players. You know what I mean, they should be re really sort of thinking, right, we've got nothing to lose. Let's have a proper crack at an FA Cup run. Not materialise. And I think that's where the frustration is starting to stem. So on a league alone basis, you can't really fault Claude Peel because he can't really be doing much better. He could be doing a little better, but he can't be doing much better. And that in itself is not enough to give him the sack. But when you add into everything else, like I say, the dumping out the cups when they should have been progressing, um, certainly one of them, perhaps, you know, the Man City defeat was negligible. You can think, OK, especially on penalties, let's not use that as a stick to beat it with. But you shouldn't really be losing to League 2 Newport. And that's what's got Leicester's fans uh, back up at the moment. So, um, so yeah, sorry, I've diverted off to uh, where I need to be. Mill Everton, like I say, Marco Silva, they're a team that needs a cup run. So you would think uh, Everton will give it their full pelt uh, in terms of the strongest lineup as possible. Uh, they can't afford to take any chances. If they do lose, maybe then that puts pressure on Silva in the same kind of circles as Claude Puel. Um, I think the only thing that works in Silva's favour is the fact he hasn't even had a full Premier League season in charge of someone yet. He had a few months at Hull. A few months at Watford, he's now, what, I don't know, five months in at Everton. So you can't really sort of judge him on how good he is. I think he needs to at least run through this season, see where Everton finish up, and then we can start really um, nailing our colours to the mast and seeing how good Silver is in terms of a manager. But I think I think Everton should win that. Mill will be up for it, you know, TV fixture, up for the cup and all that. Um, they beat, did they, I think they beat Leicester in the cup last year, didn't they, at this at the ground. At the at the den, so um, 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously, they'll fancy their chance of a cup upset, but I think Everton will go too strong for them. And I think uh, it will be Everton in the, uh, the hat for the fifth round. The final clash on Saturday is a London derby. It's Wimbledon versus West Ham. Now, what, 20 years ago, that would be a Premier League clash, but not anymore, because obviously AFC Wimbledon are now a League One entity after going, you know, starting again as a Phoenix team, God knows when, a few years or so ago. Uh, obviously, the MK Don story, that's no uh, link to uh, Wimbledon. So now it's AFC Wimbledon who's trying to work their way back up the leagues, but they're sort of almost going to go back down the leagues due to their sort of stature in League One at the moment. It looks like relegation is going to be um, a, almost a foregone conclusion for Wally Downs' uh, men this season. But this could offer up a brief respite. I know the sort of, when you're sort of hovering around the relegation zone, you sort of ask yourself, do you really want to be in the cup? But when you're sort of that far off the relegation zone, you're sort of almost like, oh, they I think they're bottom of League One. But when you're that low down, you think, do you know what? Sod it. Let's just, let's just take our minds off the league dramas and let's just have a bit of cup fun and a cup run, should I say, or both, um, in terms of you know what they can do and just test West Ham and try and make a game of it. West Ham, they beat Birmingham in round three. Um, 2 0, relatively comfortable win. That was Samir Nasri's de- debut. Um, so whether West Ham goes strong again, another question is whether West Ham goes with Marko Anatovic. Whether he leaves um, is something that has sort of cooled down a little bit. I mean, I know last week or the week before, was it the week before? <laughs> was it? Two weeks before when he saw, yeah, against Arsenal. Sorry, like I say, it all blurs into one for me. But yeah, when he left against Arsenal and he clapped himself off and waved to the fans. You thought to yourself, right, OK, that's probably the last minutes he'll play. Um, he hasn't left. Um, he hasn't left um, to China. He could still leave because the Chinese transfer deadline is in February. So there's still sort of time. But West Ham said, look, you can go. But you can go in the summer. So please just get your head down for the next sort of three or four months and, um, you know, do us all a favour. And then we can sort of sell you at a price that suits us. You get the big money Chinese takeaway. And then everyone's happy. But whether Arnautovic has seen the uh, the yen signs and thought, oh, do you know what? No, I'm not having this. I don't want to play. He looks the kind of player where his head could be quite easily turned. And then you do get that feeling where you think, oh, OK, that might be the, the sort of the scenario where he starts sulking and West Ham don't play him and they have to leave with Andy Carroll on Saturday, who was linked with Spurs in the week. And I don't really think Tottenham, in their desperation for a striker, will be turning to Andy Carroll. So, uh, yeah, that's wishful thinking. But I think West Ham will have enough in the tank for that one, and they'll be into the fifth round. Palace Tottenham, I touched on um, at the start of the show, and uh, the other third, uh, sorry, the other fourth round clash on Sunday is Chelsea versus Sheffield Wednesday. And Chelsea, um, again, like uh, Tottenham, it's going to be a case of however that result on Thursday ends up is probably going to be the momentum for Sunday's clash. But I do believe that Gonzalo Higuain will be fit and ready to play for that one. He didn't get um, signed in time for the clash against Tottenham because he had to be signed by midday on Wednesday. That passed. It should be registered for the visit of um, Chef Wednesday, who are technically managed by Steve Bruce, but he's still on holiday. Not taking the job till February, which is quite a, uh, an interesting way to sort of get appointed. I'll have it, but I don't want it just yet. So his um, trusted caretakers are in charge for that one. Whether those trusted caretakers can perform some cup magic at Stamford Bridge, I doubt it. I know Chelsea have been um, sort of lamenting a lack of goals at the moment. Um, but I think, yeah, this should be easy enough for them to sort of cruise through. They beat Nottingham Forest in the third round. Alvaro Morata got a brace in that one. Whether he starts, I don't think he will. He's edging closer out the exit door with Higuain coming in. It's a question of not if Morata goes, but where. Um, Alessio Madrid looks like the front runners. Also, Barcelona have been linked, if you believe the Spanish papers, the likes of Marca and um, AS. But I don't really think that he'd be. Would he go to Barcelona and just sit on their bench? I mean, he might. I mean, because he's not really putting up many trees at um, at Chelsea at the moment. But I think that's probably just sort of paper talk. I think, like I say, Morata will move, but I don't think it'll be Barcelona. I mean, if you're looking at a Spanish club pecking order, you're probably sort of saying Alessio Madrid. And then, would Real Madrid want him? I don't know. Look, you should never really go back in football, should you? Sevilla, they tried a £40 million bid, so there is interest, but the price is too high. And um, I don't think Chelsea are really wanting to loan him out, so they want some cold, hard cash. So if Sevilla can find a bit more money, then it might be uh, the fact that Morata goes there. But I don't think Barcelona 
is um, top of the Maratta shopping list at present. So, uh, yeah, I think Chelsea will be fine in that one. No issues there. They'll be in the fifth round. And that leads us to our last cup game of the fourth round, and that's Barnet versus Brentford. Barnet, they performed a cup upset in round three. They beat um, the team escapes. Now, Sheffield United, yes, that's it. Good memory there, yeah. They beat Sheffield United in the third round, which is very unexpected. Um, again, when a team of that size gets through to the cup round draw, it's, oh, who do you want? And obviously, they would have wanted a big name. They didn't quite get one, but they've got a local derby, so it'll be a relatively interesting clash at the Beehive as uh, Brentford come to town. Are they both called the Bees? Yes, I think it's a Bee derby in terms of their nickname, the Bees. God, that, God, that's a tenuous link, isn't it? You can tell we're getting to the end of the episode. But anyway, so, but like I say, Barnett versus Brentford. Um, Brentford are sort of, yeah, since they've lost Dean Smith to Aston Villa, they're, they're not quite in a relegation battle, but they are sort of nervously looking over their shoulder. They are, they've almost did what Watford did last season or the seasons before. They just sort of literally, well, I didn't even say sunk those, so nosedive down the table. And they have to be careful that they're not really dragged into a relegation battle in the sort of last quarter of the season, last third of the season. I think they might just have enough points in the bank at the start of the season to absorb any real crisis, but it's not looking great. And you do feel that maybe uh, the Brentford manager might think this might be a game they don't really want to get involved in in terms of a, a real battle, but then do they really want to lose to non-league opposition as well? So it's a tricky one. Do Brentford go all out and try and think, we'll be fine in the Championship, don't worry, we've got enough in the tank, we can sort of worry about a cut run also? Or is it, Let's get out of Dodge and then just, you know, let Barnet have this one and then just focus on staying up in the championship. Because Brentford, they've had designs and, you know, being a Premier League team and they've gone backwards, which I guess, you know, any sort of transitional period under a new manager is to be expected. But this one's probably been longer and perhaps worse and um, caused more damage to uh, the Griffin Park outfit than the uh, club hierarchy would have expected. So, yeah, I don't know. Barnet... Yeah, why not? Barnet to win this one. Bit of a cup upset to uh, end the, the week. It's a uh, cup action. Yeah, I'm going to put my uh, my money, if I was a betting man on this one, I'd put it on Barnet just to just to mix things up. Why not? So then, like I say, that's the cup uh, roundup for this week. Um, what else is sort of taking the headlines? Just a few sort of um, sort of viewpoints I've noticed in this week. I think I'll discuss them in next week's episode. But um, Arsenal versus Chelsea, not weren't the greatest game, really, for two clubs of that size. But what I did notice is that neither team had an English player in their starting eleven. Welcome to the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a thinking point for you listeners as well. If you want to tweet me about your views and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, the consensus I got when I made the tweet about that was that it wasn't, um, you know, but then someone else said, you can't have the best league in the world and English players in your teams, which is not, I don't know if it's true or untrue, because I think the first fallacy there is, is it the best league in the world? The best league in the world in terms of competitiveness, surely. But do you rank the best league in the world as a league that's actually winning European trophies? And in that measure, it's La Liga. So why could you not have English players in the league because they're not really the best league in the world? That's, you know, that's something for debate. And like I say, we'll probably discuss that next week. Also, Huddersfield, they've uh, named a new manager. It's Jan whatever his name is. I do struggle with those foreign names. Seifert or something. Bloody hell. Um, yeah, him. Again, like if you look at Premier League managers, English ones in particular, I'm, I'm trying not to be all xenophobic here. I do apologise. But four English managers out of 20 in the Premier League. Two of them are over 70. That's um, Roy Hodgson and Neil Warnock. So you've got two youngish English managers. And, you know, they're not necessarily young as as we sort of know it, but I guess the manager's age, they are in a younger age bracket compared to Hodgson and Warnock. So it doesn't bode well if you're an English coach wanting an English job, does it? And again, it's not me banging the drum saying, oh, we should be uh, putting English managers at every opportunity. You know, it's not about that. But just since when have young German coaches from Borussia Dortmund 2 been in fashion? Because that's now... Um, the Huddersfield boss who just left is David Wagner. Yep. Him, Daniel Falker and Huddersfield's new boss, they've all come from that route. So is this like Emperor's New Clothes? It's almost the reverse of German teams taking English academy stars and taking them to the Bundesliga. And we're sort of taking young German managerial talent and bringing it to the Premier League and the Championship with Norwich. But that could well be Norwich in the Premier League due to where they are. 
this season. So food for thought, surely there. Um, like, yeah, there's no sort of right or wrong answer, but that can't be good for English football. What about it from a point of view where if Southgate departs as England manager, do the FA feel compelled to then name an English manager as a replacement? Like I say, they're not going to be naming Warnock. They're not going to go back to Roy Hodgson. So you've got two opportunities there, and that's um, Deitch and Howe. Of course, you could always go through the FA system like Southgate, but surely we're at a point where we don't really need to be just cultivated from within because we've got no other options. Surely the options should be there all ready to pick from. Again, like I say, no right or wrong answers. I'd be interested to get your takes on those. Due to the FA Cup, there's no actual losable picks this week, so I just need to do a bit of housekeeping and review what happened in last week's show. Uh, a clean sweep for me and the two guests, so well done to us all, but only just in terms of Matthew and Dean's picks, because Matthew went for Leicester to lose away at Wolves, and it needed a Diogo Yota uh, last-minute goal for that to happen. Dean, he went for Palace to lose away at Liverpool. I said to Dean, do you not fancy Palace to perform another giant killing? He said, no, that won't happen. It nearly did, didn't it, Dean, if you're listening? Um, he went to, like I say, Palace to lose away at Liverpool. And again, that was a 4-3 thriller. Not quite as iffy as the Wolves-Leicester one, but still quite frenetic all the same. And I kept mine a little bit more simple. I went for Brighton to lose away at Manchester United. And their run of results under Solskjaer continues. So, uh, like I say, that's pretty much it from the show this week. Um, it's a, a cup bumper weekend. Um, in terms of loser pool, like I say, no actual picks to play this weekend, but it doesn't mean you can't sign up. Um, if you do sign up and be a part of it, then like I say, the winner for the last man standing gets £1,000. Uh, don't delay, join and play. Odds are great if you want to get involved. They're even better if you sign up. And it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is a real football cast in association with loser pool. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.